big question is this, how do we use the eight frameworks inside the new science of physical health to overcome this statement? Personal responsibility for your physical health is a myth and it doesn't work. These eight frameworks do. They will make you more physically healthy than 98% of people in the community that you live in. Why don't we get started in today's episode right now? Hey everybody, welcome back here to episode number, what are we, 104? I didn't look, it's either 103 or 104. I think it's 104 of the daily drop. You already knew before you looked at it because it says so in the title. Hey, thanks for joining me here in this fine, beautiful day here in Sydney, Australia. You know, I listened to a series of different podcasts and, oh, by the way, Yesterday's episode, we had uh, the prelude to Dr. Norman Lazarus. And prior to that, I'm working through a research article about the impact, the effects of both at a physiological and a molecular level of physical activity inside the human body that creates health adaptations that drives down your risk of the number one and number two cause of sickness and death. So I'm going to come back to that in another, maybe tomorrow's episode, not quite sure. But what I will say, oh, as I'm driving along here because I've got the phone in the cradle, there's a couple of people out walking the dog. There's a whole episode in the Daily Drop about is walking the dog enough physical activity to cause health adaptations? Anyway, that's, that episode's back there in the Daily Drop. You can find that. In fact, it's a beautiful uh, morning here in Australia, and uh, there are lots of people out walking the dog this morning. Anyway, so back to um, uh, what I wanted to cover today. I've listened to a lot of different podcasts, different areas, different things that will help enhance getting the message out for the new science of physical health and this um, this series called The Daily Drop to as many listeners as we can. So as I've said to people, we currently have um, this show was 66 countries. It's jumped up to 69 countries and just on 800 cities. And I said that the goal is to get it to... Uh, 100 countries and a thousand cities that's my next goal that we're working on because the i want more people listening to the message that comes behind it and one of the other podcasters that i listen to i'm not going to say who it is because it's not related to the health industry it's related to i guess the best description is the technology industry and because i'm into technology i always have been and i wanted to give a bit of perspective about a podcast that i've just finished listening to and the title of that particular podcast is, If You're Good at Something, Turn It Into Software. And it, may, and it really got me thinking, oh, like, software is an expensive thing to create. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to get a uh, health, a mobile health application, fitness application. You know, you're not going to get a good one short of $50,000. And, and then there's maintenance costs and a whole bunch of stuff. And in fact, I looked at um, creating a health app not looked at we started down the pathway of creating this health application about a decade ago and uh even though it was a you know 10 years ago two hundred thousand dollars to get to some basics and then it's constant updates and constant new android systems and ios systems so if you're thinking about that just have some deep pockets when you come in thinking about creating software but what it did get me to thinking about the um, and this podcast that I listen to is very successful. They created some software in the industry that they're in, and they currently they have a subscription model software, 
and my understanding is from all of the data that they produce and that they share, they're currently selling, have subscriptions of a hundred, oh, is it a, uh, no, not a hundred thousand, yeah, a, a hundred, uh, no, a million dollars a month, no, it's more than a million dollars a month, they're worth a billion dollars, it's just off the chart, it's way more than a million dollars a month, I think it's, yeah, close to a hundred million dollars a month that they're pulling in as far as a business is concerned on their software, which is just blindingly unbelievable. This guy's about 40 years of age and he's having an impact in the industry that he's in, which is all fantastic. Um, but it got me to thinking about the software that's created in the world to help people become more healthy. My understanding from all the reading that I've done and all the research I've done is that there's about maybe 200,000 health and fitness apps in the app stores between Android and iOS. I have searched and searched and searched, and I've done a lot of research, asked a lot of different people, professors, people in technology. What I can't find is something that's clinically validated health software. Meaning, when I say I can't find it, I have found one because I've worked, done some interviews with the professor and am working directly with the company that's created this uh, health software that's clinically validated and we've incorporated it into our book, The Ultimate Workbook for Creating Physical Health. And it got me to thinking that the prof- Professor Ulrich Wisloff, you can search up his name, he's on Wikipedia and uh, all over the internet and he's one of the top exercise, he's a PhD in exercise, I asked him, he has a PhD in exercise physiology and works in the field of cardiology and the application of physical activity in terms of reducing the risk of the world's biggest killer. Remember, 18 million people a year die of a cardiovascular event. Second place is 8 million people a year, just as insidious cancer events. And then third place is a long, long way behind, but it's related to cardiovascular disease and some of the precursors that cause it. So, he, what he did was this. He sat, when I sat down with him, he said to me that um, he was in Norway, I'm here in Australia, we did a, a Zoom interview, and he said to me that the, he was thinking for about 20 years, how can you create something that shows people in real time live health adaptations? And so what we mean is a reflection of what's really happening in your body and the next person's body. If you're someone, lots of people who are teachers that listen to this, that if you're someone who is teaching young people, children, like I have over the years, and you're wondering, is the physical activity that they're doing, is it the correct dose for them as an individual? So here's a perfect example. I've got 30 students in front of me, and we're running a particular class. It might be, I've invented this game. The name of this game is called Multipass. It's a, I won't go into it. It's a cross between basketball and netball and European handball. That's what I'll call it. It's a game called Multipass. Anyway, the question is, uh, with 30 people in front of me, are all those people in a position where they are participating at a level that's the correct dose of physical activity for them in order to create health adaptations. So one person might be doing a certain amount of involvement in the game, another person might be doing slightly lower involvement in the game, another person might be doing even lower involvement than that in the game. Yet, I could have a situation where 
the third person I just mentioned, the person who is having the lowest amount, what looks to be visually the lowest amount of involvement in the game, that person is that person is um, in a position where they are having the correct dose of physical activity, and the other two people who look like they're not having the correct dose of physical activity, they're not. Because if you don't, here's the question. Here's the thing that I like about this podcast that I've been listening to. About if you and the title of it is if you love something, turn it into software. Um, here's what I love about what he says is that you are if you don't use a clinically validated health software to track the correct dose of physical activity, I'll guarantee you're guessing. And what are you guessing about? You're guessing it to see if if you have enough physical activity from that particular day to cause health adaptations. Are you lowering your risk of a cardiovascular event? Are you changing something called your endothelial structure? Are you releasing enough nitric oxide as a result of physical activity into the blood vessels? So that all becomes the question of what are you doing? Are you doing enough? And you can, and observation is not, is not satisfactory methodology of having or teaching people, whether it's children, whether it's young adults or middle-aged adults, people, here's the bottom line. People are being fooled into believing that they're creating a, the correct dose of physical activity, meaning sufficient levels of physical activity. And the reality is that many, 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 many people are not, particularly as they get older, because they're comparing themselves to everybody else and what everybody else does. If you are a person, here's a good example. If you are a person and there's only, percentage-wise, there's only about maybe 10, 15% of the, your community that do this, that go to a gym or a fitness center, then you will, and you're doing it regularly and you're doing, well, even then you can not do enough activity. Let's say you're doing group fitness classes. You'll be getting enough physical activity. But you want to know how, if it's exactly, is it enough? And the way that you do that is you need to have health software. So Professor Wisloff turned the world's largest heart study and the heart rate data that came out of that study into some health software that became clinically validated, meaning that they used the study to prove that if you have certain heart rate patterns, certain specific heart rate patterns, it can be converted into a health impact score, and that score can be validated time after time after time after time after time as to whether or not it's generating health adaptations for you in that particular week. And so he invented the software, came up with the out here. Well, he had a partner who I spoke to, um, who's an engineer. Um, I think he's a software engineer, and he came up with the algorithms to put into the software. And when we say algorithms, that they, they actually work at a, being a reflection of real, real life, what, hap- what is happening inside your body. Everything else I see, see doesn't do that. So, for example, you have people like I just mentioned a few minutes ago. They're out walking the dog. It's a beautiful sunshine morning here in Sydney, Australia. And they're strolling along. And it, that activity, if you had the health software, then it can show you that it can, does contribute to the correct dose of physical activity. But what people do is they do that one activity for the day, then they go, that's it, I'm done. And the average person might do that two or three times a week, 
thinking that they're on track and they're not. They're not on track because the health software, if they had it, would reflect that they're a long way short of the health impact points because their heart rate pattern wasn't successful in earning health impact points based on the clinically validated health software. And the outcome of that is, here's, the, here's what the, well, I, I see that as a, as a problem, because the outcome of that is that you have these people who down the track, they get to my age, get to be a bit younger, sometimes a bit older, and they have a cardiovascular event, and they have a, ca- they have a cancer event. And this is where it becomes absolutely critical. They think that they've been doing something that's sufficient enough all of those years. But they haven't been doing stuff that's sufficient enough because you miss the mark. What's a, what's a, uh, what's a good analogy of, of missing the mark as, I, as I'm talking about that? It's like, um, uh, in, I'm trying to think of something that is a good analogy. I was thinking back to when I was a teenager and, uh, I had my friend of mine was the Australian high jump champion when he was in the 11th grade. So what was that? 17 years of age. I was in the 10th grade. He's in the 11th grade. He could jump seven foot in high jump, two meters 13. And he could actually, off three steps, he could jump two meters. So the, the, uh, Olympic games were fairly recently in, um, Tokyo here in the women's high jump recently. And the winner jumped, I think, two meters and six centimeters. Well, this guy in 1983, as a male, there's a difference between males and females, but he was so good. Off three steps, he could jump two meters. Unbelievable. And uh, the Olympic gold medalist in Tokyo just won. So you can miss the mark and think that you're really fantastic. And we used to go to training together. This is what made me think of it. We used to go to training together and uh, and he would be taking these three steps and he'd be jumping one meter 85, one meter 90, one meter 95. And occasionally he'd miss it two meters and he'd get it over the mark. So, and, and we'd talk about each jump and he'd ask me questions about what I'd seen because there were no phones in those days. So I had to be his voice back to him. So it's interesting that people think that they're doing the correct dose of physical activity. Like you might think you're doing the correct high jump technique, but unless someone's observing you and give, and this is what I used to do with the, the, this is the reason I said that, what I used to do with my friend who was the high jump champion of Australia at that time for his age group is that, um, he needed feedback. He needed someone to be his eyes. No mobile phones in those days. Video cameras didn't exist for, you know, for people basically, unless you were, you know, it just didn't exist. You didn't have watch, do video of each other, um, like we can do today out of our own pockets. And what would happen is, is that he would want feedback from me about his technique, particularly his arching over the bar. Well, the problem is, if you don't turn, your heart rate pattern into a health impact score that's been clinically validated. If it's just a guess, then anyone can make it, make up an app and just say, oh, let's put in these percentages. Then you are off the mark because it's not been researched that it's having the correct impact on you. And so the reason I love what Professor Wisloff has done with the software that we have inside the ultimate workbook as a part of it, because it's an interactive workbook. I call it a platform workbook because it's, it's more than just a workbook. It's got a whole bunch of different things in a platform. The reason that it's there is because we have the situation where if you aren't getting the correct dose and you're not getting the, f- the correct feedback, you might have an app like uh, Map My Run. Uh, map my fitness, you know, my fitness power, any of those things. They give you feedback about certain things. Very, very few of them, if any, 
give you feedback about health adaptations. It's all to do with performance-based stuff about you against you from the previous physical activity that you did. And that's not telling you. And that's good if you, and you can get benefit out of that. You do get benefit, but it doesn't tell you, are you lowering your risk of a cardiovascular event, the number one cause of sickness and death? And that doesn't cascade and spill over into lowering your risk of a cancer event. So I love this podcast, the guy that I listened to, where he said, if you love something, turn it into software. Brilliant concept. Professor Wisloff did that. I'm not going out to find any other software because you can't get anything better than what already exists. There is some new stuff coming out where um, the person I've interviewed for my mini-series, Dr. Andrew Rickman in Silicon Photonics, where you're going to be able to measure things like blood glucose, blood pressure, body temperature, and a whole bunch of other medical biometrics at your wrist. It's called clinic on your wrist. Brilliant stuff. You are going to be able to measure that, but the physical activity from the software that's already been invented is the thing that tells you whether or not you're doing enough physical activity to lower your blood pressure. Just measuring your blood pressure is not enough. doesn't mean anything unless you're doing something to lower it. And, the, and then the correct dose of physical activity does that. Your blood glucose levels, unless you're doing sufficient levels of physical activity to use up, and you're not consuming too much sugar, and you use up the excess blood glucose in your system, so what if your blood sugar is high? What are you doing about that? How do you know whether you're doing enough physical activity to lower it? So anyway, that's what turning your what you love into software is all about as a concept. And I wanted to bring that up in today's episode because I think that's absolutely brilliant. Hey, I'm going to sign off everybody. More stuff to come tomorrow. May pick on this theme a little bit more, but may go into another one. Looking forward to sharing with you wherever you are up to in your day. Have a great one. Make sure you're doing the correct dose of physical activity. I don't want people getting cardiovascular events and I don't want getting cancer events. And there's no guarantees, but what you can do is lower your risk. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Share with you tomorrow. Bye for now.